Hello, hello, hello. Trust you guys are doing well. Uh, so today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be covering the second half of the seven-year world tribulation period. Last time we covered the first half, and before that we covered the events that took place before the seven-year tribulation period. And as I said last time too, these the years that you see above here, they are only indicators Please do not use these absolute. They're just indicators so that we can put some kind of timeline together. I'm not saying it's 2042 when the World Tribulation period starts. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that this is a, an indicator, but it, it could be before or after. Use the events to drive the dates, not the dates to drive the events. As we go through this, there's going to be a lot of questions that you may have please refer to the Book of Revelation commentary with the details regarding references, verses, and um, scriptural passages. And I'll cover all those in detail. And so due to time, we're going to try and keep this short and concise. Another thing I wanted to highlight that I didn't mention previously was that the beast, when the beast dies, so he dies, he goes into the abyss, he comes out of the abyss, the dragon is the one he incarnates, or he strengthens the beast, so the beast comes back to life, and therefore the whole world goes, wow, who can fight with this beast, because he was dead, he's mortally wounded, and now he's alive, how is this possible, who can fight against him, and so this beast, what happens is at that moment, when he comes back to life, what happens is he goes and he possesses the temple in Jerusalem. He actually goes inside the temple and that's where he resides for the next 42 months. In other words, that's going to be his home. And thereby he defiles the temple of God. He puts an end to the sacrifices. And as you recall, the temple was protected somewhat um, during the first three and a half years by the two witnesses. And their sacrifices were made during that time for the bible says that halfway through the seven year world tribulation period or halfway through that week what happens is beast makes an end of sacrifices there's no two witnesses any longer because they have died and they have been resurrected to heaven the 144,000 have also been taken to heaven the beast uh, and the false prophet push the mark of the beast and especially the false prophet pushes the mark of the beast on people and many many thousands and millions will be taking this mark of the beast on their forehead and on the right hand and when this happens the believers that have come to the lord during the first three and a half years they will be ones being raptured just as they're taken to heaven the next trumpet is sounded which is the seventh trumpet and this releases the seven bowls of god's wrath so the first bowl that is released is on those that have taken the mark of the beast. They will receive sores on their body. It be very, very painful, like shingles. So every person that's taken the mark of the beast will have experienced or will experience these sores and this, this pain because of taking this mark. Now, obviously, the beast is not going to be taking his own mark, so he's not going to experience these sores and these boils and, and this pain and this leprosy. The second bowl is poured out on the sea. Now the sea becomes blood like a dead man. All life forms inside the sea will die. The third bowl is poured out on the fresh waters. 
and the fresh water becomes blood. And one of the angels says to the Lord, you are just because you have given them blood to drink because they have drunk the blood of the saints, which will indicate that Babylon and, and those of the beast have been drinking or be killing the saints and drinking their blood. And therefore, God is giving them blood to drink. Now, the fourth bowl is poured out on the sun, and there's an angel that's going to be directing the heat from the sun to various places on the earth and scorching men on this earth and people on this earth, burning them. And people are still not going to repent for their wicked ways. Now, the fifth bowl is poured out on the beast's seat, and his entire kingdom faces darkness, very similar to the darkness in Egypt, where darkness was isolated to Egypt, not to the entire earth. So his kingdom will face total darkness. And when this happens, they will be gnawing their tongue, maybe because of pain, maybe because of the lack of vitamin D, but they will be gnawing their tongue, eating and chewing on their tongue. The sixth bowl is poured out on the river Euphrates. And that, what that does is it dries up the, uh, the river so that the kings of the east can make their way through to Armageddon. So Armageddon is a place, or should I say the, the valley of Megiddo. It's, it's a place to the north of Jerusalem. And if you drew a line from Jerusalem to Megiddo, to the valley of Jehoshaphat, which is on the east side, that'll be a, like a triangle. That area, that's where they're going to be gathering. And what the Lord is doing is he's gathering all the evil people across the world so that he can squash them in the wine press. So he's going to come and trample on them. This bowl dries up the river Euphrates so the kings of the east can make their way through. Unclean spirits will come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. And these unclean spirits will go across the entire world and convince kings of the earth and other people to gather together to fight against the Lord. That's why they're going to Armageddon, because they are going to meet the Lord and they want to fight with him there. So now the seventh bowl is poured out. And there's a massive earthquake. The earthquake is so severe that the islands disappear. The mountains cannot be found any longer because they are gone. Mountains are gone. So you can imagine the, the size of the earthquakes. I believe what's going to happen during this time will be that the, the land mass that we see today will be pushed together to form one land mass. And so just like if you look at the continents today, you can see how it shifted apart. Now it's going to be brought all back together. And that's obviously it's going to make it even easier for the people to make their way to Armageddon. Right? They don't have to take ships and all that stuff. So many people, obviously there's going to be many people that are going to be dying during this time. But there's also going to be many that's going to be able to make it through. And they are still migrate to Armageddon to fight against the Lord. Then what's going to happen is there's going to be these great hail it's going to fall from the sky. Now the hell will be so big, the Bible says that it's going to weigh a talent. A talent weighs about 45 kilograms of hail falling from the sky. You can imagine the damage that it's going to cause. Now while this is all going on, people are still making their way to Armageddon to fight the Lord. And some are already there, some are on their way there. 
Now on the way there, God puts in the heart of the ten kings to destroy. Now the ten kings are evil, right? So God puts in their heart to destroy Babylon. Maybe they get jealous against Babylon or something. But God puts it in their heart to destroy Babylon. But before he does that, he warns his saints that are in Babylon. He tells his saints to get out before destruction takes place. Now the ten kings literally ravage Babylon. Strip it bare. Could be to take information, take artifacts, take whatever they can find for the battle at Armageddon. Or it could be the fact that they are jealous of Babylon. Regardless, they strip Babylon, they set it on fire, and literally it takes them an hour. And this great city is brought to nothing. The kings of the earth and the people weep over Babylon when they see this happening. Because Babylon was a place of security. Babylon was a place where they got their, their medicine from. Babylon was the place where they received their prosperity. And now Babylon is destroyed. Just after this, all of them are gathered at Armageddon. While this is happening, while they are gathered, one of the things that they're going to do is they are going to attack Jerusalem and ravage Jerusalem, strip Jerusalem and persecute and kill many people. In heaven, there's a marriage supper of the saints, where all the saints will be stand before the judgment seat of Christ and given an account for all that they have done while they were on earth. They will get rewarded. Their rewards will include level of responsibility. It will give them their assignment and what they're going to be doing in the next thousand years. So they will have various robes, various ways that people can recognize them by the things that they wear. At the same time, they will also get punishment. In other words, a consequence for those that knew the Lord's will and didn't do it. For example, those that taught against the commandments of God will be considered least in the kingdom of God. But notice, they will still be in the kingdom of God. Now, while the marriage supper is taking place in heaven, an angel comes to the earth and calls all the birds and the wild animals to Armageddon. The reason why he does that is so that they can gather it together so that they can eat and drink the blood of what is about to come. As this happens, Christ comes down with his saints and the armies from heaven on white horses towards Armageddon. His main objective is to squash them that have come against him. Armageddon is a big wine press and he's going to squash them that their blood is going to flow just like one who squashes the grapes and the liquid flows. He's going to do the same thing. So the first thing happens is he knocks the weapons out of the beast's hand. Then the sword comes out of his mouth and he destroys all those who came against him. Now Christ comes and he lands at Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives is on the east side of Jerusalem. When he lands there, there becomes a great gulf between him and Jerusalem. A great valley between the Mount of Olives and Jerusalem. One of the questions you may ask is, well, how come there's a mountain? Surely all the mountains were destroyed at the seventh bowl. Well, do you remember what happened to Goshen during the plagues in Egypt? God protected Goshen because that's where his people were. And he protected Goshen and didn't bring the plagues on Goshen many times. In a similar manner, many things will be preserved in Jerusalem, like the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is split in two. Part of it goes to the north and a part going to the south. This divide is so long that it connects the Mediterranean Sea all the way to the Dead Sea. 
and all those who came against Jerusalem and ravaged Jerusalem, those people, their skin will melt, their eyes will melt in the socket of their eyes, the tongue will melt in their mouth, and this will be the completion of the winepress of the Lord. His final tramples on all those that came against him. He squashes them, so much so that the blood flows out of these people. The Bible says that the blood will flow like a river. The height of the river will be 1.5 meters. The length of the river will be about 300 kilometers. And if you think about the average size of the river in Israel, it's approximately 15 to 30 meters. So you can calculate how many millions Christ will kill and squash. The beast and the false prophet are alive. They are taken and thrown directly into the lake of fire. Satan is bound with a chain and thrown into the abyss where he will remain there for 1,000 years. Just before Christ comes to reign on the earth for 1,000 years, the earth has to be cleaned up. And that's why the animals and the birds are invited there to eat the flesh of the kings and all those that came against the Lord that are, are lying dead by the millions. Now this concludes the final three and a half years of the War of Desolation or the final three and a half years of the seven year World Tribulation period. For more information, please refer to the Book of Revelation commentary that will provide more evidence and more supporting verses. Hopefully that you've enjoyed this and the next topic that we're going to be covering is the millennial reign, what happens at the beginning and during and at the end.